This is a HeadGum Podcast. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to another episode of Just a Tip, an advice podcast that's equally about its tangents as it is about its tips. I'm your host, Megan Matu, and today, to help me help you, we got Paul Vu in the studio. Hello. Straight from Vegas. Yep. You drove four hours here. Actually, it was was about five hours. No. Last minute change of plans, so we decided to drive instead of fly. Wow. What do you do on long car rides? Do you listen to music or do you do podcasts? Either I sleep or I'm over. While you're driving? Oh, Amy, Amy will drive if I'm sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and, or I will just practice my craft, which is magic. Yeah. Always, always practicing. That's so cool. I cannot wait to get into that. If, if you don't know Paul, he is a social media magician who was featured on The Ellen Show last year. Yep. And you are incredible. Oh, like outrageous. Your Instagram is full of first person magic, which tell the people who might not know what that is. Oh, uh, the, uh, the first person video? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, so that was one of my newer experimental videos where I decided to, you know, you know kind of show people what it's like to do magic tricks for somebody from the magician's eyes. Because for magic, it's all about creating wonder, creating that, you know, feeling of astonishment for somebody. And, you know, to see it firsthand from the magician perspective is actually kind of a cool sight. Totally. So that's what I did on that one, yeah. Oh my god, I love magic. I am terrible at everything. I could, <laughs> the other day, this is like so rudimentary. I'm almost embarrassed of saying it, but the other day, I shuffled cards and I like did the little bridge thing, <laughs> and that was a lot for me. <laughs> when was the first time that you were like, "Oh, I'm good at this"? Um, I was always uh, unsure uh, about my ability to perform magic, right? Because I, I picked it up as a hobby as a kid. Because I, I liked what it did to people. I liked how it created a wonder in people. But growing up, you know, parents would always tell me, no, you know, you should be a doctor or a lawyer in, the, in my Asian household. Doctor or lawyer, nothing else. Because that's what they're used to. You know, that's, that's how they measure success. And that's how they tell all their friends. My, my, my daughter's a doctor. My son's a lawyer. And I didn't know until I auditioned uh, for the Magic Castle as a oh. as a as a junior member and that's when you know I was kind of put to the test where I would prepare a routine and we would have to try to get into the program which was a lot harder than auditioning as an adult member and um why is that it's because you know uh for kids or for people under 20, the age of 21 
they just kind of have uh, uh, stricter uh, requirements because you know uh, it's it's almost they only want to take the the most the best people who are able to grow even better. They don't Got want it. just like anybody. Whereas the Magic Castle nowadays, if you're an adult member, take about anybody. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. You, there's programs where you'll you'll study as um, in a class. And then uh, you just, I, I think you audition in. I'm not 100% sure. I'm no longer part of the Magic Castle. Same. Yeah. I've never, but I went to the Magic Castle one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very fun, but I was, it was like the most dressed up I've ever got. It's very exclusive. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think it's very exclusive, but when you get in, it kind of feels a little touristy. Sure. Yeah. Did you feel that? Yeah. There's like a gift shop. It's like, oh. <laughs> We're, we're, we're fancy. We're, we're all dressed up, and there's a gift shop. Okay, You're like, I'm confused. Yeah. What is this yeah, magic confused. castle? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Cool. So, right when you auditioned, that's when you were like, "I think I've got it." Yeah. So, what ended up happening was I auditioned, and usually there are stories of people who get in, you know, uh, five tries, eight tries. They've auditioned, you know, all their other, you know, teens to try to get in, and they don't. Uh, for whatever reason, somehow I got in. The first try. Wow. And yeah, so it was the first try to get in that said, okay, you know what? This is a possibility. I think I can pursue this. Um, at the time, I was studying uh, theater in college. So initially, I've, I wanted to be a, an actor. But I knew in the back of my mind, in the, in, you know, what I love, that I only wanted to really do theater and acting because I wanted to get better at performing uh, magic. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm finding that love again for acting, though, because I'm doing more auditions and voiceover work. So it's like... You got a great voice for it. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So I have a million questions. When you're preparing a show to get into a place like the Magic Castle or just preparing Mm -hmm. a magic show in general, how do you choose what you're going to do? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, magic is one of those crafts um, where there, there, there are so many different components to, you know, choosing material. It's similar to how there are, you know, ghostwriters in music, right, who will write songs for you. Uh, there are creators in magic who will create tricks for you. And there are uh, magicians who will be purely cover artists where they'll only do other people's tricks that are created. And that's totally fine. You know, performance is what matters. If you can deliver the performance, you can adapt it. I'm kind of a hybrid. I'll, I'll do uh, tricks from other magicians, but one of the, my passions uh, is to create my own magic. You know, I, I kind of like taking the twist where I take modern things and I kind of put a modern spin because a lot of magic feels outdated. For example, sure. I, I created a trick where, you know, you know, empty shoebox, make Yeezys appear. That's modern. That's relevant. People cool. care about that in Los Angeles. And that's one of the things. <laughs> People care about that. Yeah, there's an old trick where you, you, know, you, you take a cigarette and you put it through a card. I'm like, you know what? Who's Cigarettes. That's not trend. Jewel. Let's use a jewel. <laughs> Let's put a jewel through a card instead. I think people connect with that yeah. more. Uh, I, one of my favorite tricks I ever created was uh, I had a skills wrapper, and this is more because it's just comedy. I, I took a skills wrapper, I gave it a shake, and you could see it from both angles. A very cool trick, and it, it would turn into a four pack of condoms uh, nice. with a magnum condom in the center. It's funny. It's a funny trick. That's so good. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's so smart because I think reinventing yourself, and I guess like I mean, magic has been. A, a big thing for a very long time and mm-hmm. and it's really good to that you are kind of the one that's modernizing it all yeah I feel like you know I, I know a few magicians who again very successful very popular who just all they do is um, you know other tricks that other people have created and that's totally fine you know I feel like if you're spreading wonder and joy to people at the end of the day 
that's amazing. That's a good thing. But, you know, in terms of like pushing magic to the next level, pushing a craft to the next level, just feeling artistically fulfilled, I have the most fun when I'm creating a new trick. In fact, I'm doing a new video where I want to just give back with magic. I want to do magic philanthropy, uh, can't pronounce the word. Yeah. Uh, so I created this trick yesterday. I'm like, what if I can draw, and you'll see this soon. I'll, I'll share it with you soon uh, when it's done. What if I can draw on a sticky note, right, like money, and then immediately shake the sticky note, and it will turn into a, a money, and then they could peel it off, and they could give it to somebody. Yeah. So I wanted to go out to college campuses and just do a whole bunch of money tricks and give money to people who need it, or go, you know, to Skid Row or help, help homeless people and give money to people who need it, but in a cool, fun, entertaining way using magic. And so that's kind of, I, I was in like this rabbit hole where I was just nonstop for four hours. And Amy knows, uh, my girlfriend Amy knows, because all I was doing was just playing with my magic. Uh, you know, it's like a, it's like a, if you ever seen a magician's house, oh my God. I've never. Okay. Explain to me a little bit what. <laughs> so a magician's house, you got, you know, I got a kitchen island. I got the countertops <laughs> everywhere. I got, you know, my desk, got another desk, side desk. So many it's desks. A mess. It's a mess. No, it's a mess. Uh, you know, it's an office random ob yeah, no random objects <laughs> everywhere. It's like you would open like tool, like random tool, like where the heck all this stuff come from? You know, like why do you need all this stuff? Uh, and that's just every magician. And then you go into their room, it's like the magic room, like, oh my god, this is too many, too many things, too many things. Um, and that's because for me, I'm always creating. Mm -hmm. So one thing I love about magic is that you take something so ordinary and you got to think outside it forces you to think outside of the box when I was creating the trick I'm like okay how the heck do I take a packet of sticky notes and make turn them into money like how do you do that yeah how do you do how that? do you do that like it, it's almost like you know that thing where you have to um, connect the dots yeah to make a box or to, to make a triangle and most people can't do it and they have to go outside the box to do it that's what magic forces you to do every time you create a new trick because you have to look at an object and figure out a different way to use that object or that thing. And then you have to hide that new thing when you're performing it for somebody. Because in magic, you're not supposed to show the secret. It's one of those skill sets where it's like if you fail, it's twice as bad. Because not only do you fail a performance, which I think it's okay to fail because you got to learn. But when you fail, you also ruin the illusion. Mm. And that's like a double fail. Yeah. Have you ever taken that mindset of thinking outside the box in magic? In has that helped you in your your life outside of magic of being able to think differently? Yeah, I would I would say. I mean, we talk about you know social media. I do a lot of social media, and uh, one thing I you know in terms of optimizing social media, my social for Facebook, I'm always trying to think like, okay, how can I do things a little differently, change things, move things around, uh, slightly tweak it, and, you know, do something surprising that will in turn yield better results, but also be ethical at the same time. I don't like the hacks or something to, you know, make people do something without, you know, mo being truly motivated to, to do something. So, yeah, I take it to my work in social media. I take it to my work, you know, in, um, in acting and voiceover work, so... Were you a good math student? No. Really? I'm just like, mm -mm. I feel like ma like it's like science and math and problem solving mm. and illusions all are kind of one. That, that's my, that's, that's interesting because I feel like with math, you have like a solution. You have like a formula you got to follow. Mm. So you're always using the same formula. You're always doing the same calculations. They always come out to the same thing. Uh, unless, 
I don't know because I'm not really um, uh, knowledgeable in the subject, but you know, I know mathematicians are creating new uh, formulas and I, uh, things like that. But for the most part, it's like you follow the, the set rules and you execute those rules and you get an outcome. This is how you multiply. This is how you divide. The result will always be this because it's the fact. Whereas magic is like some, there is no rules. Mm-hmm. If actually, in fact, if you put rules on your magic, sometimes you can create something because you kind of have guidelines. But if you have no rules, then anything goes. Right. You know, anything goes. I love that. I want to live my life that way. Anything <laughs> goes. No rules, anything goes. Yes, please. Oh, my God. But alas, I'm rigid. Moving on. <laughs> this is not about me. It's about you. We are going to learn a little bit more about you through a game that I call Bursts of Firsts. Mm-hmm. It's one round of rapid-fire questions, everything from your first job to the first time you cried in public, etc. cetera. Oh, you uh, have one pass. If you don't want to answer something, you have one pass. I will okay. say the crying in public is the only most uncomfortable one. I got to think for that one. <laughs> yeah. So whenever I yell stop, you have to elaborate, explain, or tell the full story. Mm-hmm. If, if I say stop. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do I have to answer fast? Yes. I'll try my best. Okay. Here we go. What was your first job? Uh, Factory worker. What I did was drill holes into metal plates. First cell phone. Uh, Nokia. God, Nokia music player thing on the side. It's, I can't describe it. If I had an image, it would help. First pet peeve to come to mind. Pet peeve. Uh, Remind me of pet peeve. What's pet peeve? Uh, Like uh, someone smacking their gum or... uh, just annoyances. Things. Uh, oh, first pet peeve. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of mine. Pass. I don't. I can't <laughs> think. I wasted my pass. First kiss location. Oh, first kiss location was um, church. <laughs> <laughs> Naughty. I love it. First major purchase. First major, like, big purchase? Yeah, major to you. You could have been 13, you Mm. could be however old. I spent $1,000 on silver coins for magic. Wow. First choice in a karaoke book. Karaoke book? If you ever Um, are singing karaoke. I guess I do... I don't, I don't do karaoke, so I, I'll just think of the only song I do know from somebody that I sang when I was younger, uh, Linkin Park. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone's go-to. Yeah. First internet screen name. Uh, Zom the Dead. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> First thing you think when someone doesn't answer the phone. Uh, oh, they're busy. Oh, that's nice. Yep. First celebrity crush. Oh, geez. Uh, 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 um. First celebrity crush. Come on. Who was it? Anne Hathaway. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. First concert. Uh, first concert. Oh, ooh, 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 ooh. Um, was it? Uh, it was like Backstreet Boys. I think they did like a return concert. Oh. Yeah. First scar. For uh, <laughs> first scar, I faked being a. I, I tried to. I, I scratched myself a lot just to try to get out of school. But like, mom, I'm sick. It was so dumb. I have a scar for that. I was, oh my God. I was a young kid. Did you get out of school? No. Oh. <laughs> She's like, you're stupid. Double fail. <laughs> I know. First thing you think, or first thing you do when you like someone? Um, I walk up to them and say hi. Very cool. First show you binge watched? Oh, oh, like binge watch? Mm-hmm. Probably um, Game of Thrones. Uh, right when it first came out, though. Right. Yeah. First excuse you make when trying to cancel plans? Uh, 
entrepreneurship. Nice! Yep. <laughs> and lastly, the first time you cried in public, if you can remember. First time I cried in public, to my memory, uh, is when uh, my parents told me uh, that I shouldn't do theater, that I should do uh, acting, or no, I should do, a, I should become a lawyer or a doctor. Oh, where were you in public? I was, I was, at, a, I was at a restaurant. Yeah, I was at a, a Vietnamese restaurant, uh, and um, we're all eating, and it was, you know, time for me to graduate soon. So they said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go to school for uh, theater, mm. you know, and become a better performer. And they said, uh, no, no, <laughs> no. And actually at the time, my siblings, uh, they, they, they didn't believe in me to the same extent they do now. They're mm. kind of the same mindset as my parents because, you know, they always, they'll follow the parents. And they didn't believe it either. And, uh, and so what ended up happening is at that moment, every, every, it just felt like everyone was against me. And I went to the restroom. I was crying. I came out. I was still crying. I was just, you know, it was a mess. How long did it take for the transition to happen for you to be the only one that believed in yourself and then kind of getting your family to rally behind your success? So this is an interesting story. Um, I was about to graduate, uh, you know, college. Uh, no, actually before that. Uh, so I was doing, I was studying abroad in uh, Wales, mm. right? And I was studying for theater to be an actor, but I submitted a video submission that was picked up by a TV show and they really liked it. It was called um, The Next Great Magician. And it was one of my newer tricks using two Rubik's Cubes, the first ever TV performance I ever did. And I did that performance and I was like, okay, this is it. This is my break. Let's do it. After that performance aired, it was like a one day wonder, boom. Eh. Oh, really? I went back to school. Everything was like normal. And that's how it is for most magicians who perform uh, on TV. Yeah, they have this TV spot, but then boom, nothing really comes after it. Most of the time, unless you're on like a really, really big show and you did really well on that show, nothing usually comes from it. Barely anything. And I was like, what? What's going on? And so I just... Pushed through, pushed through school, and I, I, I took 24 units my last semester. I'm like, I'm getting this out of the way. I'm done. Wow. And it was at that point where I was still living with my parents. I was like, okay, what do I do? Oh, no. This is the point where every parent was like, Haha, we told you so. Right. We told you so. We told you not to do theater because now you, how are you going to get work? Are you going to go out on audition? You know? And I was like, well, what do I do? I remember trying to audition for shows like Penn & Teller Fula, shows like America's Got Talent. And every single time, you know, they would say no, or they work me up the ladder. You know, I go mm -hmm. into the audition room. Producer, I remember the, uh, one of the producers. I, I, I'm not going to name what show or uh, what, who they are, but they said, you know, we have this person in the show. You're going to go up against the best, okay? And this is what you brought? <gasps> I'm like... <laughs> oh, God, savage. I'm like, yo, that's, you know, this is... Yo, chill. I'm like... <laughs> And so I remember uh, being in the car with my brother. It's when my, my siblings started changing their mind about their belief in me. And my brother, Peter, uh, I love Peter. And uh, I remember sitting in the car looking up at the roof and uh, just being so angry and frustrated saying, you know, I, I can't, why isn't this working? What's going on? He said, Paul, why don't you just do YouTube? I'm like, do you know how hard YouTube is? And I, I thought for a second, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I could have, you know, one person judge the outcome of my life or I can put my work out there for the world to see and the world will judge, right? And I did. And what ended up happening was 13 views, 10 views. You know the story, how it goes, people grinding on YouTube. And I, I remember going to Facebook 
and then doing an internship. And then what ended up happening was I just kind of said, you know what, let's just go all in. And so I, I created all these crazy tricks or I researched all these crazy tricks and I made a compilation and it was my first ever uh, viral video. It was at that moment, going back to your point, was when uh, everyone in the family started to turn their heads and notice was when I had the first successful video. But I'll be honest with you, you know, every milestone I had, you know, with my family, I'd say, hey, look, I have a million followers now. Is that crazy? It's only been like, it only took me two videos, right? And they're like, where's the money? Right. And then I say, well, look, well, I, look I made all this money off this one video. And they're like, that's it? I'm like, do you not? It's more than you. They're like, no, is that it? <laughs> and it's almost like, wow. You know, it's, it, it was around that time where I stopped trying to like please others and started focusing on my own goals and, you know, you know, kind of breaking my, you know, my own, like my, I set the limits. Not, I, I don't kind of follow someone else's, um, I don't know how to say it. I can't articulate right now. Yeah, no, I think that's I, the same thing that I went through too. Like I went to school for art, but mm -hmm. at the time I wanted to dance and my, mm. my family only wanted me to be a nurse. I'm Filipino. And so it was like, if you don't do this, then you are not successful. But that was right. based off of their knowledge of what mm. they think success is when they were growing up. And right. how much has changed in the past 10 years? Like yeah. our jobs didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Like like social media didn't really exist. I mean, you had AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, and that was I like, remember AOL. Oh, man. <laughs> same. <laughs> oh, my God. My best years on yeah. AIM. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like everything is different. And I mm. guess going back full circle is reinventing yourself and reinventing what you think success is and not taking somebody else's formula of what they think it means to be successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you know, when you, when you, it's interesting because, you know, in magic on social media online, uh, you know, there are people who, who create like, a, you know, what works, right? But when you talk about reinventing, I, I really do agree with that. I'm always trying to do something different. In fact, I actually notice when, you know, there are times where I, I don't always, I'm not always on the grind. There's some times where I'm like, oh, you know, I just don't feel motivated the same way as I used to. And it, I, put, I was in a rut where I was just doing things that weren't pushing the boundaries, that were just being safe. I was like, why am I not performing as well as my early days? It's because I, when I was first doing those early videos, I was constantly pushing what was possible. Yeah. I remember spending uh, two... Uh, um, can I tell you the story about one of my first ever viral clips? Is of that course, cool? please. Okay. So one of the clips, and if you ever watch this video... Uh, you can see, uh, it's it's in my video called "Drunk People React to Magic." Oh, fun! I was, I'm already hooked. I was trying to pull off this illusion where um, uh, you I levitate a, a glass, right? And then I was trying to do it where I would levitate a um, a Jaeger bomb. Okay. Where it would be Red Bull, and then the Jaeger, and then they take the shot. And what ended up happening was right when I was about to film the trick, the glass cracked. I was like, oh, crap, now I can't pour this drink. I, I don't have a, another glass or a cup I can use. What, what am I going to do? It was the last day before the, you know, I mean, it was, party's going to roll up anytime. I was like, okay, well, what do I do? My cameraman's telling me we should just go, you know, for, forget it. And I'm like, okay, well, I got to figure out a way, you know. And I remember searching all over someone else's place for super glue and trying to piece back this glass real quick. 
uh, just to do this trick. And, uh, you know, my videos are, my early videos, three minutes long, took me a month to make, right? Uh, but that one clip, uh, you can see uh, that on the, on the cup in that video, there are cracks on the very bottom. You can actually see where it actually broke, where I had to actually glue it all together. But no one knows, right? It's, all they see is just the crazy reaction, the crazy fun it was. But that was a, a nightmare. Uh, it was almost like a, a, in myself, I had to say, screw it. I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to suck it up. You know, I'm not going to give up right now. I'm going to try. Because I've learned that the first few seconds for a Facebook video are everything. And... When it comes to magic, if had I not pushed the boundary, I think I, I don't think I would have had the same success on that video. You know, every single I remember the first few videos, like there was one trick where I make two goldfish appear on the streets of New York in a in a Starbucks uh, water cup. I remember that trick. I originally did that trick. It was not supposed to be two goldfish in Times Square. It was supposed to be a beta fish in the train station, the really popular train station. Yeah. And make it appear in a cup. The problem was. You couldn't see it because the betta fish is so, like, fluffy, right? <laughs> fluffy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say fluffy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't tell it's a betta fish. Right. Without that clarity, what ends up happening, no one understands it. Mm. And so I was like, you know what? All my friends wanted to get dinner, and they said, I don't want to help you anymore. I didn't have money to pay them. I don't want to help you anymore. I said, you know what? I'm just going to go. I'm going to find goldfish. I ran. I spent, you know, I think an hour trying to find uh, the goldfish and then uh, all the money. I had no money. I was broke. And I just got him. I went back. I said, let's just do it right here, right now. And we did one take, one shot. And that was the clip that started the first ever viral video. Wow. Um, that got 35 million views. And at the time, that was a lot for Facebook. And Is that uh, still not a lot? I mean, that's a lot. Oh, it's, it's a lot. But like, uh, I mean, at the time, it was unprecedented for Facebook. It's sure. like It's insane. Right? I mean, uh, yeah, it, it's... Um, then again, I feel like views are all vanity. I don't. I used to be so obsessed with views, numbers, and things, and now all I really care about is I still pull in views, but I care about you know the people. You know, what what can I? What are they experiencing? I've, you know, it's it's all vanity. I feel like people always brag about followers, numbers, but how strong are the fans? You know, how connected are you to them? It's not about you. It's about the people watching. Right. It's, with magic, it all comes back to. The worst performers are the ones who only care about themselves, make themselves look cool. The best ones are the ones who always highlight the individual watching. You know, magic is for people, not for you. And yeah, so that's the the the, the main uh, one of the big things where you know talk about reinventing. I was like, okay, how can I push the boundaries of what street magic is? You know, because at the time, the popular thing of magic was really fast magic, and that's so hard to do. It's so hard to do a, a trick in like five, ten seconds at that caliber. I mean, to me, any trick is hard. I this, yeah. I was talking to my friend the other day about it. He loves magic. He's not a magician, but he loves it. Mm-hmm. And I never care about how it's done. There's You've got mm-hmm. those people that are like, I need to know the ins and outs of the mechanics. Where did this come from? Where is it up your sleeve? Like, what are you doing to me? And I'm like, I don't. I don't care. Just keep doing it because yeah. it's like I love. I love not knowing. Mm-hmm. There's something in that that just makes me feel like a kid again to not know everything. Right. 
That's what I hate when people are like that need to know everything. Also, like this is has nothing to do with magic, but just like you, if you don't know something, it's okay to say you don't know. Mm-hmm. And I almost love that even more. The people that act like know-it-alls, no one wants to know a know-it-all. Mm-hmm. Don't be a know-it-all. I feel like it's a given that some people will try to figure out, and I've accepted that. It's only when, and I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Uh, actually, it's it. I, I invite it sometimes. It's only when they become a heckler during a performance or during a show that ruined the show for everybody else is when it starts to, you know, interfere. When it starts to interfere with people, that's when I'm like, you know, you got to back up, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have you ever had a, I have so many questions. We should take a break. We're going to take a quick mm-hmm. break right now while Paul gives us an extra piece of advice you can find at Just a Tip Podcast on Instagram. And we'll be right back with my millions of questions I have left. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind. With Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we're back. But before we get into all the other questions I have, I want to know if you have something that you are obsessed with in your life. It could be anything. It could be a food. It could be a song. It could be a product or a movie, anything at all that you just love and that you think other people should also have in their lives. Oh, God. I think right now the obsession in terms of food is pho. Oh, yeah? I love pho. One time I had a three-hour argument with a boyfriend of mine Mm -hmm. because we were discussing how pho and ramen are so, so, so not the same because they're not. Mm -hmm. But then he was like, fundamentally, they are the same. It's noodles and broth. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, but they're so different. Right. Right. And But we were saying the same thing, but we just could not. We couldn't see eye to eye. We're not together anymore. (laughs) The one thing that I would say about pho and ramen is that the price points are so vastly different. Are they? Yeah, because pho is, I think, in Japan, it's kind of like they they put a lot of work. I mean, they put a lot of work in pho, too, but, like, you know, it's— almost like sushi like they put a lot of work in sushi make yeah. prepare it make it look nice and they it's pho i mean ramen's like what 15 up to 20 bucks a totally. bowl right and pho is i mean we're not we're talking like let's go to orange county not la pho is like 7 dollars yeah right? and you get a big ass bowl big ass bowl i mean in la it's 15 it's also americanized pho right but in orange county where you know, most vietnamese people are 
It's like seven bucks, eight bucks, nine for a super large bowl. And it's, it's the work required to make it. It's, you got to slave under, the, you know, eight hours to cook that broth. Maybe t- some people do 16. I don't know how long they do it, but they do it for a long time. Wow. And uh, it takes a lot of work, but I just always feel like, you know, people are undercharging for food. It's so dang good. Like, why don't you charge the normal prices for... Well, don't give them ideas. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, you, you would order, let's talk noodles. Like noodles, like. Let's like, talk noodles. Like, this is my opening line to pasta, anything. Pasta, right? Yes. Anyone can make it at home. You go to a restaurant Italian, or you expect to pay 15 plus for, and then expect to pay up to 100 plus for a good place, or, you know, 80, 50 to 100 plus for a plate of pa- pasta. Right. Right. It's like, you know, the ingredients are not that expensive. Uh, the work required. But the way different cultures price their food, the way they put certain, um, it's just interesting to me. Yeah. It makes me think of, there's something online that was like, don't, I think when it was about freelancers charging a specific rate and they were like, why would you charge me this amount of money if it only took you 10 minutes to do it? And it's like, well, it took me nine years mm-hmm. to figure out how to do that in 10 minutes. So right. you're going to pay me that rate because mm-hmm. of the nine years, not the right. 10 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking about the pasta because I was I watched yeah, the, really the Italian pasta. master classes of like mm. how they're making the wow. dough and it's like, well, yeah, okay, I'll pay you that. It's so, so good. But, but there are people who I mean, I guess maybe it's because Vietnam is like a third world country where everything's if you go to Vietnam, it's like two dollars for Bofa. They're not used to those high prices. Yeah. The people aren't used to it. And so when they move over, they you know, everyone is competing on that low baseline price of seven dollars. And if you go any higher, people are like, Whoa. I'm not going to you. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. What's the best way to eat pho before we jump back into it? The best way to eat pho? Okay. So what I like to do is I like to, um, I before they always serve you the vegetables, the mint or whatever. I always, you know, prepare it. I, I pluck it all up, you know, ready. So when the bowl food comes, I dump it all at once, ready to eat. Oh, okay? uh, you do pre-work. Pre-work. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what are you going to do while you wait? Appetizer? Okay, maybe. Um, and what I like to do is I like to um, get the sauce plate. I put the sriracha and a little bit of lemon, and um, I dip the meat with the sriracha and I eat it. Yum. Yeah. Uh, I always think when you eat pho, you should taste the broth without any additional hoisin sauce or sriracha. And then after you had a few sips, boom, put it all in as much as you want. Just enjoy it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's how I like to enjoy pho. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people who have pho, they only have either the chicken one or just the rare, the filet mignon one. I eat urge you to get out of your comfort zone and try the the what what they call fudbiek it's the specialty bowl where it has everything in it you know the things that you don't normally eat but it's just really good it's really Ooh. good speaking about comfort zones what's something that is out of your comfort zone that you're like this I could never do that um i mean uh, I, I think right now like it's always a battle right uh and, and i'm going to go back to magic for a second and then maybe i could think of an even bigger challenge uh, but one thing a bigger I, challenge in magic can't think of. No, one. I mean, I mean that uh, that out of my comfort zone. Sure. When I first started out in magic, the hardest thing to do was approaching a stranger. Same. Mm-hmm. Even me now. Tell me how All you right. got over that. Yeah. So approaching a stranger, and you know, uh, my girlfriend Amy does pranks as well. So you know, you got to build that resilience. Yeah. And it's almost like this anxiety of, and rejection that you have to face when you're doing it, and you, you, you kind of just. You know, I remember my friends being like, you know, calling me names. I'm like, I'm walking in circles around Hollywood or in New York for like two hours. Like, when are you going to actually ask somebody, Paul? Right. <laughs> I'm like, you're not in my position. You're just a hype guy. You don't got to do anything, man. You're just a hype guy. And I, I think you kind of just do it. 
And the more you do it, uh, the more you get used to people saying no, the more you get used to uh, it being not as bad, you know, and you just have to kind of accept that sometimes people are busy. Sometimes people don't care about you a lot of times. Uh, sometimes, you know, they just aren't interested. And, you know, to the ones that are, cool, great, you know, do what you do. I mean, if you're a prankster, if you're doing magic, if you're just kind of trying to meet somebody, cool. Um, if not, it's not the end of the world. You know, there's so many people out there to approach and to meet um, for whatever reason you're trying to do it. You just got to get comfortable doing it and remember that even if you didn't have a successful engagement, it's it's all fine at the end of the day. You can't let it get to you too bad. And over time, you build that resilience. But it's like a muscle for me. Exactly. Like, uh, the more I do it when I'm in a uh, mode, like when I'm like, I'm not in a mode, but like the more I do it, the better I get it to where I'm like full 100% confidence. If I don't do it for a while, I'm like, okay, it's, all right. <laughs> it's like not going to the gym for a while. It's like, I got to get work it up to it. Okay, yeah, work it up to it. It's all a muscle. I think that way about almost everything. I think that way about this podcast, about shooting YouTube videos in general. Like if mm -hmm. I take a two week break, I don't know how to do anything anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So the more you do it, you'll, the more you'll feel more comfortable at it. I think mm -hmm. that's great advice. Okay, back to magic. Okay. I want to know everything. All right. But we don't have so much time. So I'm going to ask, uh, I'll ask questions that I I think are the, I guess, the, the most helpful that okay. can be magic and life. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in terms of magic and life, what what can you say that you've learned about the human mind based off of uh, I guess like misdirection and and confusion. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I can say about the human mind is when in terms of magic is that it could be influenced um, mm. heavily. Uh, and you know there there are two ways to look at this. There's one to use it for good, one to use it for bad. It's like people who are really good at persuasion, right? There are things in magic you can do to make people behave a certain way, act a certain way, and they won't even know it. And it's just maybe it's a line you say or something or the way your demeanor, how you interact with that person, you can really, uh, you know, make the, the engagement in your favor. I almost think of it like, I mean, just a basic example, but in meeting people, I would always go to uh, parties or events where it's, you know, sometimes it's a business event and everyone's like oh, a wallflower, you know, you do magic, bam, everyone's friends. Right. Done deal. Even if they hate each other, all friends now. Right, right, right. They just all come in. They, they come in like one collective crowd. They, they, they feel like they can express themselves because one person did it. Now everyone's opener, more open. Definitely. I think it's a great icebreaker. Yeah. Do you have things that you have on you at all times just in case you want to do a magic trick? I used to. I used to. When, when I come out to do interviews or a, a pocket, I like to prepare something special, you know. Uh, but sometimes I, it was almost like uh, growing up as a magician— you always feel like the deck of cards is like your, it's like your phone. Mm. You know, you never want to leave without it. And, but it's it's good to set it at home and not not make it. Sometimes you just got to enjoy life and not always be like ready to do a trick. And I guess the best way to do that is just, you know, have tricks that you can do anytime, anywhere without any anything propless or with props that you can just borrow. I love that. I, I love just like saying, oh, hey, look, look at that. I'm going to do this. And people are like, what? The, wait, wait, what? That was, that was my, that's my pen. That's not your pen. That's my pen. How'd you right. do that? And uh, yeah, or, or let me borrow your phone, this, this. And then, yeah, I do a trick with their phone, not my phone. And that, that's one thing uh, to get out of that obsession of always having props on you. Just figure out tricks you can do anytime, anywhere that you have at the back of your in back pocket that you can just do whenever someone asks you. 
because magic's such an interesting uh, art where, you know, when, when you meet an actor, when you meet a singer, you don't really ask them, hey, can you sing for me? Right. Can you act for me? If we meet a magician, kiss your trick, kiss your trick. Right. Does that ever get annoying or you love it? Uh, at, at first, I was like, man, do people think I'm a monkey? Right. This, this. And then I go back to them like, oh, you know, it's a good that they want to see magic, especially if it's a fan, uh, you know, but anybody in general. Like, it's, it's meant to be shared. I mean, yeah, there are times where I'm just not in the mood, but, you know, I kind of look at it from the perspective of their, the people. It's like they're just curious. They want to see. They're excited. It's a cool thing. And when I'm not in the mood, I, I'm honestly a polite. I say, hey, look, I've had a rough day. I, I just don't want to do anything right now. But, you know, it's hard to turn down someone who's really excited for mm-hmm. what you're doing. They're really interested in it. Because normally, uh, if you don't take those opportunities as a magician, uh, you always have to deal with people who don't want to see it. Yeah. So it's really relieving when someone really does want to see it. Yeah. When you were first starting, what helped you get better? Aside from practice, like, mm-hmm. was there anything, any tools that you used to improve your skills? So there's there's so many different uh, aspects of magic. And, you know, in magic, there's muscle memory. You learn techniques sometimes. Some tricks require no technique. Some tricks require a lot of technique. The thing about magic, though, is that every trick sometimes has different techniques. Muscle memory. It's You know, you play guitar. And you'll, you, your, your fingers move faster and you're able to do all these tricky things. In magic, you might pick up a foreign object and now you're basically square one. Mm. And you got to relearn that. And one of the things that I've always thought was impossible, especially with the day of social media, is like, how do I learn and execute new tricks, you know, to create content? Like, that's the hard part because magicians will call you crazy to learn a trick and then perform it tomorrow for, you know, in relatively good, good, uh, at a good standard and it's just like it's it's stupid because most people will spend a week two weeks a month I would do that as a kid I w- wouldn't show anyone anything now I've had to get better at learning tricks faster uh, and perform them you know better and that's that's something that's helped me it's like kind of ha- adopting the mindset that this can be done and to survive as I'm mean, not survive but to thrive as a magician in this always non-stop flow of content kind of time we're in you got to have that ability yeah you know if you do it's just an asset you know just to it, I always talk to my best friend I'm like hey dude do you ever feel like you know we we're always learning tricks and we, we're never fully 100% rehearsed but we do it anyway mm. and he's like yeah all the time I'm like yeah but that's where you really learn yeah that's where you really learn just go out there and do it and um uh, that's I think the best tool for me is learning how to execute faster yeah. I think if you were to apply it to something else, like learning how to, how do you execute this edit on your video, but faster? What things can you do to to make it more efficient so then you can output more uh, and without hindering too much of the quality? So, for example, if we were to do it in terms of editing, I would say, okay, let's use templates. Let's use this. Let's kind of have a structure out. And now, uh, and then eventually online, outsource uh, and teach that. And it's like, for magic, it's like, okay, uh, what things can I do? What tricks can I do? Maybe someone researches tricks for me. Maybe I have someone create tricks for me. And uh, maybe I have someone throw parties for me. So now instead of having to go approach strangers on the street, there's a party that's being thrown. I go to the party, do magic. Instead of having to research tricks, someone's researching for me. And then now I'm, I'm practicing at home. I still mm. got to put in the work to practice and then the work to show it. But now I've cut all these extra things that would cost time. So it's almost like learn how to execute faster and more efficiently in whatever niche you're in. Figure out how you can... Do it better. And then you'll just take a step above someone else 
uh, who who is too afraid to take that leap. And that's how you kind of feel like you have an edge. Absolutely. I think delegating is one of the, the best lessons I've ever learned in my life. Okay. We are rounding the end, but I have one last question that I, ooh, I want to ask two questions. Go ahead. Okay, fine. First question is, what do you wish that someone told you before getting into magic? Mm, I wish someone told me that you didn't have to be a sleight-of-hand artist to be a talented magician. Mm. Uh, this is interesting because magic is a hidden skill. Uh, when, you, when you look at uh, juggling, right, the art of juggler, you can see the inner workings of their technique. It's very clear. It's very apparent. Uh, magic, you're not supposed to see the secret. You're not. Uh, Think of it like a GPS, right? When you enter the navigation to go somewhere, you're, sometimes you're presented with three routes. You can take the hard route or the easy route. Either way, no one's going to see what route you take or no one should see what route you take. And the major thing I, I wish I learned was to prioritize my performance ability over the actual technique and just kind of get more creative and figure out ways to um, find better um, ways to produce the same trick. You know, it, it would have saved me so much time. It would have saved me so many years of wasting uh, practicing these things that I don't even use to this day, mm -hmm. right? It's the old school thought of magic where you have to learn. Magicians pride themselves in saying, I've been practicing for 15 years, 30 years, 50 years as a magician. And I say, okay, 50 years. But, you know, I, it's, it's, it's almost like you've been doing the same things over and over, practicing things that are ultimately pointless you know, practicing how to do a crazy card move for 10 years, right, is not going to improve how someone receives the magic. Mm -hmm. It's going to improve your ego. Right. So I think in, in magic, it's, it's uh, back to that point where it's, you, you got to, yeah, what's the word again? <laughs> I forget. Uh, you you got to find the, the better route to do things. And you got to, I would say, drop sleight of hand. And focus on performance first. That's what I wish I would have done. Mm, I'll tell myself that <laughs> when I get into magic. <laughs> Literally never. Okay. We talked about what you would tell yourself when you first started, which was when you were younger. But now, if you could give a piece of advice to yourself now, mm -hmm. what would it be? As a person, as a magician, whatever. Mm -hmm. was something that you, yeah. you need to hear. The biggest piece of advice I'd give myself is to... Remember my core artistic value. There are times in business, there are times in my life where I stray off the path, where I, I do these things, where I play it safe, and I always I feel like I should always think about why I'm doing this and the reason why to set me back in the right mindset. And I would say like to to think back to the times where things were right, things were going really well, to remember what it was like, the challenge, how hard it was, and to embrace that, to chase that, because that's the way that you grow, right, is you have to face difficult challenges. So for me, it is, if I ever get lost, remember my core artistic value. Why am I doing this? And if I ever feel like I'm slumping, to think back to the times where they were hard, remember that it's hard, it's going to be hard, but that's where all the payoff is. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I would say. An echoed retweet. 
Thank you so much, <laughs> Thank Paul, you so for much. being here. Not Where me. can people find you on the internet? Yeah, so you can find me, uh, most of my content's on Facebook at TV. P-A-U-L-V-U-T-V. I'm also on Instagram and um, YouTube, but uh, most of the time I'm doing Facebook. That's where I'm doing magic. Check him out. He is so, so, so good. If you guys have a sicky situation or burning concern, call us at 805-751-9071. You give us your age, and we'll give you what we can with what we have on the, at that given day. We'll see you next week on Just a Tip. Bye. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>